Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and today I'm joined by two exceptionally special guests. You've already heard from the incredible cybersecurity expert himself, Bruce Snell, but today we're joined by another incredible member of the Hackable team and one of my favorite podcasters, Jeff Siskin. Jeff, would you like to introduce yourself? I just want to say that was the kindest introduction uh, anybody, including like my own wife, has ever had for me. So uh, I-, I love you, Cameron. I think this is. Uh, oh my god! I know, I know. We've know. just we've really just met, but I feel a deep, uh, a deep, full, full love for for you and your show. So thank you. I I appreciate this. I don't I don't want to make comparisons, but I feel like his introduction of you, Jeff, is kind of how you should be introducing me on. Unhackable. We'll see about that. I don't. Well, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that offline, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> um, and this is also lovely, Cameron, because I'm sure, as you know, with your show, uh, podcasting is such an abstract thing where you just sit, you know, speaking into a microphone largely by yourself. So it's it's lovely that you know <laughs> at least one person listens. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you. And I, I really do appreciate the incredible opportunity to get to talk to all of you about this exact thing because I feel like hackable in no small way inspired me with my show because Hackable was the show that I I always liked information security and computer science and whatnot in general. Mm -hmm. And this was a show where you took common tropes from TV and cinema, especially when it was done well, which was very, I imagine, hard to find until Mr. Robot came along. And you figured out ways to piece it together into this much grander context where we're seeing like this is this isn't just like something that people like to point to in tv and movies this is a thing that can happen to anyone anywhere if you're not watching out for it yeah uh completely and and i think uh you know bruce is the uh smarter one of the two of us and so (laughs) so these things come as less of a surprise to him but to me i'm you know very much uh an average consumer uh in many ways and i like all these cool smart things and before doing the show, I was pretty naive about what the potential was of these things to have an impact on my life and my security. And it's really, not only has it made me paranoid about almost everything, but it's just sort of made me question why I need these things in my life and, and whether or not it's actually a good idea to have everything in your house smart or not. Well, and you, you know, the reason reason I like this is because, you know, I, I think computer security, obviously it's a, it's a very important topic, but... I think the the average person that if you're if you're not in the industry, you don't necessarily need to know all the ins and outs. But if you start hearing people tell you about how dangerous these things are without actually breaking it down and explaining it, you know, using layman's terms, then it just becomes this kind of big scary monster that you just kind of forget about. So I think that you know if we the you know the thing I like most about doing this podcast is that we get to take these things that are very serious, these com- these security issues that are very serious, explain it in a way that, you know, my in-laws would understand um, and kind of help people become better informed. And I think I, I would like to applaud you both for giving me a perfect example of the synergy that seems to be on the show. There's a lot of what does this look like in the real world in terms of the actual technology that, Bruce, you do? Whenever you're on, you, you seem to be able to get right into the area right between the lay and the nitty gritty. Mm. And then to help balance that out in the show, obviously, Jeff, the person being hacked, <laughs> um, goes ahead and shows us like this is the normal day. This is my day as a normal person living in the modern digital world, making my way. And then all of a sudden, my teapot and coffee machine have been hacked, and I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, and, and it's always like, 
I would think after doing this show for as many episodes as we have, and I would say this if I wasn't myself, that I'm I'm perpetually surprised at how surprised I am. And, and you know, the teapot and coffee pot was a perfect example because, you know, the idea of a smart teapot, oh, that's super cool. You know, I'd love to be able to, you know, I work on the third floor and I'd love to be able to set my teapot when it's time to go and then I can go downstairs in a couple of minutes and have a hot cup of tea. And I wouldn't necessarily think that the teapot would be vulnerable in such a disastrous way unless I had seen it firsthand. Right. And so I get this weird education constantly. And then Bruce gets to come along and tell me, I told you so. And then and then ultimately <laughs> give me tools. That's what I like about the show. Ultimately give me tools so that I'm not just a sitting duck all the time. For anyone listening, um, episode 26, Malicious Bruce, is actually the one we're referencing where they had a head-to-head competition of which was more hackable. Was it a smart coffee machine and a smart teapot? Yeah. And- where the teapot was just heating water. But, and this was one of these crazy ones. We had never done this before. It was an experiment for us. Is normally on the show, we do one device and a hacker uh, comes to hack me in, in some weird way. And this time we actually decided to do a competition where we had two hackers at the same time trying to hack different devices in my house, but to see which was more disastrous. And, you know, on the show, we kind of in jest declared one a winner. But the truth is they were both disastrous and creepy and invasive in ways that you would have never thought because what I'm constantly learning is it's not just the device, it's what the device can tunnel into and ultimately leave yourself vulnerable for. Well, I mean, I, I think a perfect example is when, you know, when I lived in Tokyo, we had, you know, as you would expect, a very high-tech bathroom, right? And I had a little app that I could use on my phone to control my, my bathtub, Right. So I could, (laughs) you know, at the end of Aikido practice, I knew I had like a 40 minute train ride home. I could set my my bath to be at 34 degrees or whatever. And at the certain level that I wanted and click go and it would fill up and and be prepared. Um, But the thing is, you know, it's it's one of those where that's a great convenience and I loved having it. But every time I used it, I was like, oh, my goodness what what have I just opened up, right? What are what are some potential issues that I could be letting somebody come in to my network through my my smart bathtub? Before we get too far down all the different rabbit holes, I kind of want to take a moment to step back and ask about the show as a whole. Like, where did it come from? And what was, I'm guessing a lot of this inquisitive thinking you had about your day-to-day life, I imagine went a lot into fueling what eventually became Hackable. Well, Hackable, uh, there's a bunch of great, people behind Hackable. And, you know, Bruce and I are kind of the the, the voices of it, but there's some really great minds. Uh, McAfee wanted to do something, um, you know, to show uh, show the world uh, about virus scanning. And, and they're, you know, they're known for, for amazing, uh, you know, virus protection, all that good stuff, but a way to have people like me that don't think about it very much, think about it for the first time. And so they teamed up with uh, Response Marketing, which is uh, an amazingly creative agency and a company called Pacific Content to develop the show. And ultimately, um, if I remember this correctly, Bruce, I think you were going to be sort of the main host. I think you were involved before I was. And then uh-huh. we, we realized quickly that, that you know, in order for the show to work, we needed somebody who, you know, to insult myself wasn't particularly smart <laughs> and, 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 you know, we need to be teaching somebody. And so, so I came out of the woodwork as, as that person who, you know, basically could be uh, the opposite of Bruce in that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, doing the wrong things. And in real life, you know, installing malware on my computer and, and generally, generally, <laughs> you know, I like technology, but I don't want to read the instruction manual. So I'm a perfect, 
you know, foil to to get myself in trouble. And that's what happens on the show. I'm sorry, if I could just up it, I didn't mean to at all discount the incredible effort and group of individuals that uh, go into making Hackable. And if you'd like to give, especially the ones who probably don't get as much attention, uh, if you'd like to give them a little shout out, that I'd appreciate that too, because that's, I, I'm making my own podcast myself most of the time. And that is, it can be very time consuming. So I can only begin to imagine the effort it takes to make the per, the professional product that is happening. yeah and we uh we really have amazing partners uh you know uh having the team of McAfee you know basically present this website has been incredible and not only are they amazing on on sort of the technical side but on the creative side as well uh and and yeah both response marketing and Pacific content are kind of class leaders in in their fields and everybody has really come together. And Hackable has become a true labor of love uh, that we, we all love making because it's fun and surprising for all of us involved. You know, it was, it was really interesting to, you know, as we kind of were kicking off this idea internally at McAfee, um, we had done a few things, uh, you know, doing some videos, some very like, you know, I, I did a series of like short one and a half minute videos explaining the basics of security to, you know, kind of the layperson. And it was really cool to have this opportunity to kind of take that to a different level. And I think bringing, um, you know, bringing Jeff on was was the perfect kind of complement to that because it it gave us somebody to talk to, right? Jeff kind of represents our our well, our I'm not working with McAfee anymore, but at the time, you know, Jeff represented the you know the the customer, right, or or mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. the 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 consumer. And so it was really good to have somebody that you know we could talk to that, you know, we could use as kind of the foil for why are these things important to you? And I think Jeff does a really good job of, of coming across as being that, that, uh, that every man. I also like to applaud McAfee as a whole for the marketing genius of the show, because I think that is kind of the big thing is you, you don't always appreciate why you, it's like insurance, I guess, like you don't always appreciate why you need it Mm -hmm. until it happens. And you guys do an excellent job of showcasing this is what's probably going to happen when it happens. So why not get it now before you need it? Right, right. As as part of that, I was curious when you were starting off, I know like lots of creative endeavors, they kind of start in one place, as you pointed out before, it was going to originally be Bruce, and then you realize you need the lay person. I want to, as a person trying to figure out his own way, building his own show, what, what was that process like getting to the point where you realized this is the lay user. This is the thing that we don't think is really connecting. This was actually, you know, it's kind of, it was almost stereotypical in that we had, you know, a a number of of meetings with a bunch of people, you know, kind of spitballing ideas back and forth and, you know, lots of things being written on the whiteboard. And I'm usually, I'm never one for wanting to have meetings more than than three people, just because I just think they never actually get anything done. Um, I, you know, I, I had a, a saying that was, you know, more than three, not for me. But this was actually a really, really cool project in that we we sat around and we're just, you know, it was one of those where everyone was free to just kind of start putting out ideas about what would be the, the way to go and what would be an interesting concept. And, you know, it, it took a number of them uh, before we even came to the concept of doing a podcast. And then we brought, you know, um, the the Pacific content people in and they sat down and they were talking about, you know, the success they've had with other podcasts in the past. And we kind of just rolled with that and figured out what would be the best way 
to approach that and and to bring security into play. Jeff, were you were you part of um, Pacific Content? Yeah, so I Pacific Content is the company I work for, uh, and we make a mm-hmm. number of podcasts, um, you know, across the industry for for and work with various different brands um, to help them make the podcasts. Uh, and and part of my background before joining Pacific Content is I spent about a decade uh, show running reality TV shows, and so probably my biggest contribution early on was figuring out what the format of the show was going to be. And and I'm a, a huge believer in, in that show's needs formats. And, you know, I, I, I got to chance, I did the Canadian version of storage wars, uh, which I thought was an amazing format. And I, and I had fallen totally in love with the format. And what I loved about it is that regardless of whether or not you care about storage auctions, the format is so brilliant that I dare you not to watch the end of the episode. Sorry, I was going to say, could you like give us a little taste? I'm sure there's, unfortunately, a lot of people who haven't seen the Canadian version. Well, yeah, of but you can have, uh, if, you, if you have Netflix, it's, uh, they've de-Canadianized it in a really funny way. It's called Northern Treasures. Uh, and, and, <laughs> adding it to my so list So you should, you should have that list now. And what's, what's hilarious for me anyway is that uh, in the opening credit sequence, there's all sorts of uh, vistas of Toronto and they've edited those out. Uh, to look like sort of a generic American city, but <laughs> which is funny because isn't Toronto used for like New York all the time? Yeah, exactly. Is that Vancouver? No, it's, it's both of, both of them. But <laughs> but the, the point is, so if you haven't seen the show, basically people bid on storage lockers, and ultimately they find something, and then it it gets uh, we we're told whether or not it's valuable or not. But what what I loved about that show is it had this really tight format where every episode, if you set your stopwatch by it, is it has is very much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they play with that format and they dance, they do surprising things. Um, but I love what having a format does for you creatively and ultimately sort of liberates you to tell a story around a skeleton that really, really works. So with Hackable, it was, how do we find a a format uh, of which if you listen to the show, you know, there are definitely sections, um, you know, that are sort of both predictable and we play with that are surprising, but can let us, tell innovative stories um, to the audience, sort of, you know, playing with that. Yeah, and I should probably have uh, mentioned this earlier. So for any of you who haven't listened to Hackable, first of all, I need you to go right now, pause this episode, go over in your RSS feed, find Hackable, download it, listen to it, enjoy it, then come back to this one so you can enjoy the rest of this conversation. (laughs) But Hackable, I love how you narratively pull us in. You say, like, this is a thing. You give us a just voice narration where our imagination does the walking for you and then you either show us like oh this was actually from a movie or more recently you've been showing us a lot of this actually happened in the real world and then as the intro music starts to play is when you get into this is what we're going to be tackling on this episode of hackable and then from there it's just off and running introducing how you are going to be the guinea pig or more recently you're a your story producer yeah story producer on the show pedro mendez yes um i <laughs> the the one where you were trying to get him to pick up the usb stick I laughed so many <laughs> times. Like, that's I, I appreciate that. That's slowly becoming the. Also, now we're showing you how a lay person could also end up doing this to you, which is I actually thought a very ingenious addition because normally you'd also think hackers are doing hacks. This black hat hacker sitting in his basement with a hoodie on, <laughs> cracking through like eight screens of code, is the one who's getting into your bank account and not just some guy who has USB sticks and downloaded a piece of software off the internet. I, I'm very glad to hear that you laughed at that because some of those episodes I feel like 
20% bad about. Uh, (laughs) 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 yeah there's a little bit of me who's like it's kind of like watching america's funniest home videos where someone gets hurt where like in the back of your mind you're like i I guess if it happened to me i wouldn't be too pumped about it but at least that person knows that this is going for a greater cause yes and pedro is a very good sport about the whole thing so i'm i'm very grateful to have him on the show Uh, i actually really gotta ask is how often is he in on the joke well uh, it sort of depends on the episode. He, he generally knows it's happening. He may not know the details of what's happening and how it's happening. Well, in any event, I, I definitely got a kick out of that one. And, and I think from here, an uh, important question I have for you is, what are the things on Hackable that either of you, Bruce or Jeff, wish you could explore more or think could give a little more to the show that you haven't gotten to do so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um you know, I always, I always have to rein myself in when it comes to the topic of encryption. Um, I'd love to figure out a way to get a little bit more in depth because I still find that a lot of, you know, encryption is such a basic component of all security. And I find that most people don't really grok it as, as well as I think they could. Um, but again, it's, it's always walking that fine line between you know, how do you explain it enough to where people understand it, but not too much to where their eyes glaze over, right? And, I, and, and that's one that always, I'm still like, I'm searching for the right, I, I, I know there's the right way to explain it floating out there somewhere. And I, I one day I'm going to grab it and explain it in a way that everybody understands. But that's kind of my, my holy grail. And I know that's a super geeky holy grail to have <laughs> when it comes to the podcast, but that's just the one thing that's just sticking in my craw. It's a little geeky. and i say that with love and respect so i know uh the what certainly the one like the the holy grail from me on a on a story point of view is we end up you know working with all of these amazing white hat hackers who you know their actual job description you know hold your giggles but is penetration tester and so so what they do is they go to large corporations basically hired them and say, hey, I want you to break into my system to see where the vulnerabilities are. And the episode I would love to do, and we've been trying to do it, and hopefully next season we'll be able to do it, is to actually accompany one of these penetration testers on on a live test. Because what's super cool about it is, is they're not just sitting by their computer and, and you know, I, this is obviously Bruce will laugh at me because this is not what happens, but I, it's not like a matrix level of code <laughs> going by as they're madly typing. But they... Uh, you know, one one of them told me this amazing story where he does similar to what we did with Pedro, where there's a uh, if you load a USB key up with malicious software, what he does is he goes to, goes into the uh, main office and he'll say to the receptionist, you know, I I'm here for an interview with Jerry. Uh, I'm a little bit late. Uh, my cat peed on my my printer, and so I wasn't <laughs> able to print my my uh, my resume. Could you do me a huge solid and and just print this? And of course I will. You know, so. They stick the thing in, they print it. He takes the USB key out. He goes to meet Jerry and Jerry's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. How's the penetration test going? He's like, oh, it's no problem. I'm already in your system. And so there's <laughs> all of these absolutely amazing social engineering things that I would love, love, love to be able to put on the show. So that's that's our holy grail. And speaking of USB keys, uh, the episode of Hackable I was mentioning where you mess with Pedro with USB keys was episode 29, Dead Drops. Yes. And um, actually, going back to that, I remember during our conversation with Bruce, we kind of talked about how the funny thing about hacking in movies is you have to make something entertaining where, and please, Bruce, do back me up on Uh this. There's a lot of sitting around. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of 
just waiting till the right person falls for the right thing so he can go to the next thing. Well, and, and you know, and it's, and it's always, you know, you're, there's never a guarantee that your hack is going to work, right? So a lot of times <laughs> it'll work on like the seventh time, right? Or something like that. So yeah, there is a lot of really boring sitting around. Well, boring to other people. Like I, I find that the time really flies by when I'm doing any sort of penetration testing. But um, yeah, it's definitely not that exciting for, for somebody that's not right in on the keyboard. And I imagine the other hard part is trying to understand, like, I guess when a hack is successful, it's pretty straightforward. You got into the thing you're trying to get into, but when a hack isn't successful, there's that 50, 50 of you are hoping that they did a good enough job that you get to go and tell them they did a good job. And they fortunately in this one way won't get hacked. Or there's the other do you think you got in, but you're not sure you got in? Maybe they actually came up with a very clever honeypot because they right. were actually aware or in some way figured out that this was happening. Or, and you're you're just trying to play that, I think we're where we need to be, but I'm not sure. Or I think this didn't work because someone is smart enough to know that this is not right and not because I accidentally goofed on like, Oh, no, step three of trying to get a USB <laughs> all over the parking right. lot. Well, and, and that's where, you know, a, a full penetration test when it, when it's done, you know, it'll show you, okay, here's where I got in. Here are the four or five areas where, you know, you're, you're vulnerable. Here's areas where we did X, Y, and Z and it was blocked. And we think it was blocked because of A, B, and C. Uh, but you do, it, it, it is a real, like, it's, it's not one of these, oh, I got in one time and I'm good. Right. It's mm -hmm. it, I, and I think that's what uh, maybe people don't understand about the, the concept of penetration testing is that it's you're, you're testing all, you know, as much of the defenses as you possibly can um, in order to give a really good report and let the, you know, let your your client know, you know, where their where their weak spots are, where their strong spots are so that they can, you know, adjust their their security and, and adjust their budget accordingly. I like that exact thing I imagine is what would have made it so difficult to turn that into an episode where we're trying to follow those beats while appreciating all the downtime and all the extra effort. So I, I definitely feel for having the, the brilliant idea and working hard on making sure you get the execution right, mm. both as a pen tester and as a podcast producer trying to make this kind of format. But I was thinking about, we did a, uh, we spoke with one of the Mr. Robot uh, technical consultants. And, you know, Mr. Robot for us was kind of the holy grail of shows. And it was the show we've gone back to the Mr. Robot well so many times. And I guess if, if people didn't heed your advice and go hear the show in the middle of the episode, uh, <laughs> the gist is, is it's kind of like Mythbusters for hacking, where we take hacks from film and television and then uh we basically want to find out is that true and we find it out by me being the human guinea pig and i'm getting hacked and so we were thrilled at one point to be able to talk with one of the mr robot tech consultants and you know we're lauding praise on him about how technically accurate it is and what he basically told us was the one area it's not technically accurate is that time mm -hmm. is that most hacking takes forever and it's super unexciting <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, so we've been lucky on the show, you know, we definitely edit some of the episodes and, and the way we edit is that often the hacks, you know, like any presentation, it's worked a million times when you're preparing it and then you're up on stage and then you're all your tech screws up. Uh, so there, there are definitely <laughs> times where the tech screws up and we have to stop recording as I'm sure, you know, any podcast does. Um, but, but, you know, generally speaking, 
the hacks we do are uh, often sort of trivial hacks. Um, and, and I say that not that they're trivial in terms of the impact, but trivial, trivial in terms of, of what they can do. Uh, and an example to that was we wanted to do a, a the little webcam on your computer. Do you need to put tape on that or not? And we approached a bunch of hackers to do that. And most hackers said, I don't want to do that because it's not interesting to me. It's too easy. And so for somebody like me, who's the consumer, it's that's what I actually want to know is, do I have to put tape over my webcam? Uh, a hacker wants, and I'm going to show that I don't know anything about anything, but a hacker <laughs> wants to do some kind of backend code exploit where you know, nothing blows up at the end. Um, but what sort of works on the show are are those sort of smaller hacks that can be accomplished in a shorter amount of time, but, you know, ultimately tell me, do I need to put tape on my webcam or not? Yeah, and I think, Bruce, you, I imagine, could definitely speak to this. It's a product of compounding gains. Like, there's no one hack that is necessarily the end-all, be-all, like, watch this incredible domino set off all these other dominoes. But then you realize that each hack is itself a domino. Right, right. And, you know, and that was you know, one of the things I did at one point in my career was I, I did what was called technical marketing, right? And it was, you know, what it sounds like, you know, f trying to make um, technology sound interesting, right? And I would often, you know, have to set up demos of, you know, of a hack and then how you would stop the hack. And the big challenge of that was actually making that interesting <laughs> to to the you know to the, to the people watching it right because it is it, it you know there's a lot of little things but there's not like one one secret key that you can use to get in you know um, and a lot of the a lot of the hacks that I would do from a, a, a demonstration perspective were typically multiple ones strung together um, you know because you've got one hack to get in and then once you're in then you need another hack to kind of propagate throughout the network and then once you've got that. Then you want to set up something that's going to be collecting data and sending it back to you. You know, there's there's these multiple stages. Um, so it is sometimes, you know, I think people, you know, especially on movies, you'll see, you know, somebody pounds on the keyboard and then they said, I'm in. Right? <laughs> and suddenly they have access to everything. Um, it's just not that simple. Right. It's 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 mm -hmm. fairly complex. I think if it were if it were that simple, everybody would be doing it. I, I really actually appreciate that insight because I think that's always ends up being what it is, isn't it? It's people always think it's that simple. It's always that Rocky montage. It's not all the work <laughs> that goes into it. And uh, I, I want to say at the same time, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me and more importantly, my audience about what it's like creating this thing that really can inform people at all levels about this new digital age we live in. And I strongly encourage anyone listening if you haven't already, please do go check out Hackable. The Mr. Robot Spectacular is fantastic. The Dead Drop episode is fantastic. There's so much great content, and I am a huge fan. Uh, is there any closing thoughts you'd like to leave for anyone interested in learning more about cybersecurity or just podcasting? Well, I, I do. I want to take a second to just say thanks for you know for being a fan of the podcast. I mean, it's one of those things. You know, Jeff alluded to it earlier, where sometimes we just kind of feel like we're talking into our our you know microphone to, you know, to like yelling at the yelling at the moon or something, right? Where you're not <laughs> sure if anyone's actually listening. So it's it's been really great to hear, you know, kind of the warm reception that we've gotten um, from folks like yourself, but then also on Twitter and then emails and then calls into the, the 800 number. Um, it's really cool to see so many people being 
you know, such big fans. And I'm, I'm, I'm really just stoked to be part of it. Yeah, I I, uh, I couldn't agree more, and I actually have a, a big beaming smile uh, throughout this whole conversation. And and I, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you reaching out, uh, Cameron. And and you know, it it shows me that you know podcasting is such a weird medium where we're all sort of creating these things and putting them up to space, and we don't really know we don't really know the reaction other than to see the little download numbers. Um, but it's actually, I think you've inspired me that there's some <laughs> podcasts I love. I'm going to reach out to them and, and, you know, not only tell them, you know, how much I enjoy the podcast, but, but, you know, let them know that there is a definitive audience behind, behind those numbers who appreciates what they do. So I, I thank you know, thanks again. This is very cool that you reached out to us. So we, we totally appreciate this. I really appreciate that. And if our listeners would like to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter? Yeah. yeah Twitter's probably <laughs> yeah. the best. Um, I'm, I'm pretty easy. I'm at Bruce Snell. Uh, B-R-U-C-E-S-N-E-L-L. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, and I'm uh, at Jeff Siskind, which is slightly less straightforward because Jeff, <laughs> my parents made it difficult and spelled my name with a G. So it's G-E-O-F-F-S-I-S-K-I-N-D. Uh, and you can also uh, contact the entire team through our website, which is at hackablepodcast.com. And can I also just, I want to just plug our uh, 1-800 number, which was something <laughs> we got last year. And I don't know why it's the least technical thing we have but it just tickles me because it makes me feel like I'm, you know, I was the kind of kid who was constantly calling into radio contests and other, like it just, it feels so lovely to hear people's voices. So if anyone wants to call in and say anything about the show, if you have an idea or, you know, Bruce answers questions or or just to say hi, that number is one 4 which is the number four hackable. There's a one 4 hackable and it's it's really been just a, a obscene amount of fun to hear what people uh, think of the show. Awesome. And I do hope that uh, anyone listening, please do go check it out. As for us at Swing the Small Stuff, you can find all our stuff at Small Stuff Show on social media. Our website is smallstuff.show. And if you have questions or small stuff you're sweating, whether it be about InfoSec or your favorite movies, TV, science, or you just want to get in touch, you can always reach out to us on social media or at smallstuffshow at gmail.com. And if you haven't already... I don't actually want you to leave a review for this episode. I want you to go find your closest friend, anyone <laughs> you think would like to learn from Jeff Siskin and cybersecurity expert Bruce Schnell. Just sit them down and let them enjoy <laughs> this incredible auditory oh, bliss that was kind. this conversation. Oh, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamiri, reminding you, from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. That was awesome, guys. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you, Cameron.